0: Hello, and you're very welcome back to another episode of Ladvice.ie. Let's get talking, let's get sharing podcast. This week, I'm joined by another guest. The guest this week is Tom Murphy. So who is Tom Murphy? Tom Murphy is currently a goalkeeper for Wexford FC, and he's my sister's boyfriend for the last 12 years, I'd say. (laughs) It's not quite 12 years, but they've been together quite a long time. So I know Tom quite well. But um, I was keen to get him onto the podcast because I think um, his journey in his football career, you know, from... The day that he started until today is is a really interesting story. And I think there's a lot of kind of valuable information in there for people to listen to, and also um, just an interesting conversation nonetheless. So, look, welcome to the podcast, Tom. Thanks very much for for joining me. Um, Thanks for having me, Nate. You're welcome. You're welcome. So, maybe I suppose just before we get into the the details of your football and career, I suppose. Some exciting times at the moment for yourself and for any kind of League of Ireland football fans with the league returning now in the next couple of weeks. So how's pre-season been and kind of are you looking forward to getting started with the new season?
1: Yeah, I think first of all, all the players um, know nearly what a privilege it is to have the chance to be able to play and get that kind of elite status um, to get the chance to play when we're in a pandemic. Obviously, it's adhering to the guidelines that we need to adhere to. So I think, listen, it's two, three weeks uh, between the First Division and the Premier Division starting, so everybody's starting to get a bit more excited. I think the the announcement where they're going to stream not only the Premier Division, but the First Division and the Women's League is is amazing. Um, I think it's a great step forward because the First Division clubs and the Women's National League teams They were just really relying on the teams themselves to kind of stream games when fans couldn't be there or even when fans were there. Whereas now they're kind of getting a chance for to get a kind of platform to broadcast everything, which is great. So it allows, even though people can't be there in person, they can be there looking at it on a screen, which is is great. And I think it kind of gives the players a bit more of a buzz as well because they know more people are watching and they know they're um, still representing the fans, even though they're not in the stadium, they're watching from home.
0: Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I think a really important piece that you touched on there was the the privilege and and the I suppose being grateful to be actually able to have that elite status and get back to playing, albeit not in the circumstances that you'd want. But look, I think in, in this time it's important to just you know be grateful for what we do have and not be kind of you know always wanting and wishing for more. It's it's natural that we do feel that way, but to be to be grateful is a is a really good characteristic to have. Um, yeah, I'm personally looking forward to the league coming back very much so. I'm a Wolves fan and uh, maybe even now by affiliation uh, somewhat of a Wexford fan as well. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to, to things kicking off and I do think that the announcement of the streaming service is a fantastic move forward um, with regards to the League of Ireland and the infrastructure that it has behind it. Um, and I think we'll touch on the League of Ireland a little bit uh, later on in the podcast again uh, as we talk through your career and stuff. So um you're a footballer, and um, you love football. You're very passionate about it. I suppose you know every young kid growing up, you know they all want to, you know, be the next whatever it was, Ronaldo or Messi. But for you, you, you chose to be a goalkeeper. But I suppose maybe let's start off by talking about you know your how you got started in football, and then we'll talk about you know how you ultimately became the goalkeeper and why why that was the choice.
1: Yeah, so literally in my family, there's no soccer at all. Um, Literally nobody play, hardly plays soccer, either on my mum's or my dad's side. They're all GA. Um, so me picking soccer was kind of the odd one out nearly, and it was always kind of a, a joke growing up and all this. But uh, it kind of started at probably about six years old, um, watching Man United with my dad. And I remember kind of the first kind of, game I remember watching was Man United were playing a Champions League game and it was actually Wayne Rooney's debut against Fernabache um where he scored a hat trick. And I, I always remember first first football kit was a United kit with Rooney um number eight at the time on the back of it. So that's where I kind of started and then I joined my local team. I uh, played I actually started out as a center half, played played um center half for about a year or so. And then roped my dad into coaching the local team and kind of what happened the last two years was we were always losing. Um, And I'd literally come off the pitch and I'd be like, I'm sick of this. I was literally seven, eight years old. And I was like, I'm sick of losing. Yeah, <laughs> Like the, game, the games aren't even compelled of like, um, so I said to my dad, throw me in goal. I said, throw me in goal. Um, I'm sick of losing six, seven, eight nil. So, and I went in goal and kind of, kind of kicked it off from there. So I, played for my local team for a few years and then I moved on to another club in Wicklow, um, Town and they were kind of the biggest club in Wicklow at the time and from there I actually got my first trial so I actually went on trial to Chelsea when I was 12 years old and kind of that experience was mad, uh, like nobody really from Wicklow ever went on trial, you kind of had to be playing in Dublin or kind of had to be playing in like the big cities, Dublin, Cork, Galway or say up north. Um so at 12 years old to get asked on trial um to Chelsea was great. This is like just after they'd won the Champions League as well. So there was a good buzz around the spot. But like I was 12 years old and it was funny because the week or two weeks before I went away on trial, it was going to be my um, I had to go and meet my principal because I didn't. Need, I was still in sixth class at the time, so I had to tell him like, "Oh, I'm going to be missing a week of school, going <laughs> away to, nice. to Chelsea." So I kind of didn't know what to react with, because the week after I came back, I was doing my confirmation, which was like big at the time as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I went away anyway, and bear in mind, I was twelve years old. This was my first time being on a flight as well, and leaving Ireland. I'd ne- I was, I'd never been on a foreign holiday or anything before either, so. I went away actually with my mom because my dad's a farmer, so he couldn't go. Um, so my mom went with me, and we spent a week long um trial in Chelsea, and we got put up in this five star hotel. It was the Chessington World of Adventures, the Safari Park, and the Adventure Park, and oh, it was amazing! Like, and it kind of opened up my eyes to what it is to kind of be a professional footballer. I always had a dream, but you never yeah. really kind of understand what it's like until you're in it. Do you think, well, like I- um,
0: do you think that first trip kind of, you know, having that, it's almost like having a carrot dangled in front of your face. It's always like that thing. I, you know, I want this so much. And as a kid, you, it's something that you can only dream of. I think one of the things you mentioned that was like really stands out is that desire to win, you know, that want and that need to win. And um, I think it's always really important to be competitive, you know, in anything that you're doing. Um, and like to have that from the age of, you know, six, seven, eight is fantastic. And it's probably, it's probably been a massive factor, or a massive help, you know, in your journey to, to getting even the, the, to the stage of being considered for a trial, because like we said, it's something that people can only dream of, but yeah. So that trip over to, to Chelsea, especially given, you know, Wicklow boy true and true and uh, dad's the farmer and you, you know, you'd never been across, you know, I've never been on a plane before. Was that your first trip over to England? You were saying that it's kind of the first kind of insight that you got to see of what it, what it, what it might be to be a professional footballer. It was a surreal feeling, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it was. It was unbelievable. Like um, you're going into Chelsea training ground in Cobham, basically one of the poshest areas in London. Uh, million, millions and millions of pounds of houses around the training ground. Range rovers parked up top of the range facilities and. You're literally going from like it and there is great places in Ireland um with great training facilities, but this was just beyond your belief, like what you'd ever seen before. So you're stepping in there and it, it was it was a privilege and it it really did um make you want even more. Like you were nearly regretting having to go home and step back on the plane at the end of the week, um, which which was which kind of gave you that hunger to want it even more. And like I remember coming back and um it kind of all just kicked off from there like that literally that kind of trial just kicked it all off for me and kind of set it off like this is what i want to do um and that's what kind of kicked it on from there so i then moved on to my next club of saint joseph boys in dublin and from there i got a, i started getting a couple more trials so i went some clubs like Leicester City um, and I remember I'm um, like it's funny like you, you never kind of understand what it's like at the time but when you think back of it mm-hmm. I remember like meeting Jamie Vardy on the in in the hall and meeting him in the gym and stuff like that and speaking to him but like I didn't know who Jamie Vardy was at that time and now when you think back to it and it's like that was Jamie Vardy like and uh, I remember going to places like Blackburn and stuff like this And I thought not another, but I was getting thrown in. I would say 13, 14. I was getting thrown into training with the 18s and the 23s. And it didn't hit me kind of till I actually went over permanently to England. That was kind of doing fairly well at such a young age into that training. And I know it was a trial period, but you were getting thrown into the deep end and you obviously must have done well to get a, a
0: second trial or get offered something at the club. It's a bit of a big deal all right Jet, to be you know to be first of all in in the first place to even make it over there and then second of all to actually be considered you know of a a quality and of a standard that you can be involved with someone who's or you know members of teams that are in an older age group than you because I think first and foremost a really important thing to remember with this is that like these English clubs they're not bringing people over for for a holiday for 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 a trip they're bringing them over with the intention to see what they're all about and then you look Mm -hmm. to look to sign them um, and I think even one of the other things is, is, is that is being able to kind of appreciate that as much as you, as you should, or, or as, you know, as you do uh, at the time, like, do you think at the time that it what because it was so surreal and because it was so such a kind of like a fascinating experience that maybe at, did you, did you appreciate it as much as you, as you should have at the time? Or
1: I think it was always when I was, when I came home, I just wanted to go back straight away. Yeah. Um. Like I remember, say, Leicester in particular, I think I went over three or four times and I was just looking forward till I went back again and again and again. Um. And I especially, I loved coming home and just telling everybody about it. Because <laughs> when, when I was going on these trials, say, I actually only ever went over, say that Chelsea, the first trial, because I was so young, I was 12 at the time, I had to go over with a parent. But for all the others that I went on, which could have been about eight, nine, 10, at the age of 13, I was flying over by myself. So I was getting used to at 13 kind of standing on my own two feet. You're nearly like a teen, like a fully grown teen at 13 because you're going through the airport by yourself and you're having to meet people, deal with people, stay with a host family or stay in a hotel. You're your you're own responsibility, really. So coming home it was great to just literally spend the whole car journey home from the airport literally telling your parents what it was like who you met what you did it was it was great um and I literally would love to go back to it again because you're getting I was still getting even though I was only going over and back to England I was still getting to travel over and see all these new places and meet these new people like I'm a great people's person so I love meeting new people and interacting with new people so that was great for me and that's one of the things I loved about it was nearly being in a different culture. I like I loved being Irish in the middle of a whole bunch of English people because I that, I brought my own personality to it. Um that's mm-hmm. what I really loved to to I, I was you were different, but it was nearly a good difference. They're seeing something with you to throw you into a group like that.
0: Yeah. I think um one of the things like one of the things that really strikes me there is about you know age of 13 going over and, and travelling on your own jesus like i was i, I don't even think i would have been allowed to walk to school on my own at the age of 13 like um i think you, you do need to mature you need to grow up quite quickly being a footballer and being in that environment um so i suppose that would be a massive like factor in you know you developing as a person you probably you know developed much quicker than other people because of, because you had to, you're very much outside of the comfort zone of a 13 year old to, you know, go out, travel on their own over to England, different country, different environment, meet new people. And um, so I think, you know, that in itself is, is, is an achievement to, to be able to, you know, hold your own and travel and, and meet all these new people and, and, and go through that experience. So yeah, that's definitely something that that's really striking me. And so, in and amongst all this like in in about nine different trials for nine different teams really good experiences was there was there people at home maybe like teachers and stuff who were kind of saying here tom what's the story you can't be going on on another trial you should be focusing on your, your education you know like kind of i suppose putting that putting that doubt in place and kind of saying well look tom you know football it's great that you want to go and do it but it might not work out so you should focus on on the books and stuff like did you have people kind of saying those sort of things to you and kind of what was your mentality or mindset too because obviously school is important but at the same time you know these these opportunities these chances don't come around too often so
1: yeah so my mom is actually a school teacher um which was which was the funny part of it all um and she actually ended up being one of my school teachers in, in secondary school So people always, and it was, it always is a big question. What were your parents like regarding education, your family and so on? Um, And like all my mom's sisters, so all my aunties are all school teachers as well. So it was always nearly a reoccurring theme. So I remember the first day I went into first year, um, even before starting first year in secondary school, I said to my mom, and this is after I, I went on trial to Chelsea. And I might've went on one or two more trials before that I started first year I remember saying to my mom I goes to her I'm only doing three years in this school and then I'm gone I said I'm gone after my junior sir because that was the time you usually left to go away to England. And like I said that to her and I said that to her three, three years I said I'll do I'm doing three years in here and then I'm going to be gone and playing football and she always used to kind of pass it off say yeah 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 whatever um but like it was like that where I knew the importance that I needed of my education so I made sure that even though I was at that time I was traveling up to Dublin three, four times a week to train. Um, I still got my education done. I still made sure I was top of the class Um, and I was very lucky in the sense I am quite good on the education side of things. So I was, even though I was late nights and staying up to do homework, I still made sure I I did it because I nearly felt like with my parents supporting me and especially with my mum being a school teacher in my school, Supporting me so much, I didn't want to let her down um on that side where I didn't want me to be kind of the talk of the school or the talk of the staff room for a bad reason.
0: Yeah, like one of them one of them kids is just, well, I'm gonna be a footballer, so fuck this. I'm not really, I don't need to do anything in school. I'm gonna be a professional footballer and that's it. Like and kinda of have that attitude of, you know, you know, care carefree and fuck this. But you know, he understood the importance of it and you not know, to to, to not be talked about for the wrong reasons, I suppose.
1: Yeah, exactly. And especially with my man being there, I wanted everybody to be saying, Oh, look at, he's, he's playing football at a high level, but he's still hitting X, Y, Z in his grades, still getting his homework submitted on time. Um, Like I didn't want, and I've never really said it to her, but I didn't want her feeling like, Oh, look at her son. He's come in and like, she's a teacher, but he's no interest in education. Like, so that's kind of the side I took of it, and i I still have it to this day that I really really focus on my education side of it. So throughout my time with that in school, it kind of it got to a stage where, especially with my junior sort year, and that year I was literally balancing. I had moved on to League of Ireland under seventeen at the time, so I was actually playing up a year. So I was traveling again, still to Dublin three four times a week. Then I um was going over and back constantly to everything um, but like that junior, I came out with, I think it was three A's, four B's, three C's. And that was literally over a year of missing loads of school. Um, and then I was playing for two or three of the schools teams as well. So even when I was supposed to be in school, I was missing school with that as well, but I always made sure I got my work done and I always you made can, sure I got
0: off with. you can do it all time. You can do it all Yeah, <laughs> the brains, the beauty and, and the, and the athletic ability as well. So, um, like, after the junior cert, then was I think so you would have been what about sixteen at that stage? Was it?
1: I was still I was kind of on the younger side, so I was fifteen. Um, this was in the June, and I turned sixteen at the end of the August.
0: And so, when was when was it that you would have moved into Everton? You said you'd been over there a couple of times um, in your junior cert year. Was it relatively quick across to England? Is it?
1: Um. So I knew i was signing for everything i they had offered me the contract in the october november time and i'm um, i had done kind of two weeks and it was it was the longest trial period and the longest time i'd ever been away from home i'd done two weeks continuous over in england and they kind of said before i went over that that was going to be the do or die trial will either for your contract or not so at the end of that week i had offered my contract and from that october november I told nobody about being offered or nobody about moving away. Literally kept it literally all that knew was my mom, my dad, and my sister. They were the only ones that knew I was going away. So we kind of kept it quite enough. Um, So from then I was able to focus kind of more so on the education side and everything were giving me a training program constantly. So I was focusing on that from say the January right up until the June before I left. So I literally did my junior cert. Say the first few weeks of June. I think it's the first two weeks the junior cert lasts. And I remember everybody will remember your junior cert night or whatever.
0: Yeah. I remember.
1: I remember telling everybody that was literally on a Wednesday. I said, "Listen, I'm not coming back for um, next year. I'm not coming back for fourth or fifth year." I said um, I'm moving away to England, and nobody knew how to react, like um, because obviously I kept it so quiet. And literally from that Wednesday, I was gone the following week. I literally, I think I was gone. I flew out to England on the Thursday, signed on the Friday, um, had the weekend, the Saturday and Sunday to spend with my family. And then my family flew home on the Sunday and that's when it all started. So I was still 15 at the time. So I actually started two months early, um, but it was kind of agreed in advance rather than me coming over in August and being two months behind and, only giving myself three weeks till the season starts. I came over them a few weeks early to kind of keep up with all the lads.
0: Yeah. So, so at that stage then you're 15, just gone on 16. And was it the under 18s team that you'd signed for then with, with Everton? That's, that's where you're mainly kind of involved and stuff.
1: Yeah. So I signed a two year scholarship deal, which all the academies in England offer to any of their under 18 players. So you can't sign a professional contact and, contract until you turn 17. So I had signed my two-year scholarship um at Everton. So you're you go straight in with the 18s, but when you are with the on that scholarship, you can progress onto the 23s, the first team on that contract. So primarily I was with the 18s and then say coming towards the latter few months of the year. So that was 2016, say the November, December, I started sometimes training with the 23s. Um, a bit more frequently and then throughout the two years you kind of just got more and more involved with training 23s or the first team
0: and so like that move like I mean at that stage y- you must kind of I suppose you're not kind of out the mindset like I've made it now you're not kind of saying I've done it and to a certain extent you have like y- you need to give yourself a lot of like credit and I suppose, celebrate the journey to a certain extent, like, okay, you've not reached, you know, you've not reached the, the the level that you want, you've, you've made it, so you've hit a significant milestone, I think it's important to appreciate that, but were you kind of saying, is this even real, or was it the case for you, because you kind of knew already in advance that you were going to be going, that you, you had the time to, like, to let that build up, and you kind of had the time to let it settle in, was it?
1: Yeah, so i seen it kind of as the first step, um, kind of, I'd, I'd achieved of what I set out to do first, which was secure a contract and then move across England. So that was kind of the first step of a, of what I see. And I kind of set out a kind of few goals and targets for myself. So that was the first for me. I think I was very lucky in the sense that I had went over and back to England from a young age um, for the last two, three years. So it kind of prepared me for it. So I wasn't, I wasn't too homesick. I didn't really miss home too much. Like I, I did FaceTime home, say every day, well, I never was like feeling homesick or feeling like, oh, I want to get home. I want to get back to see friends, stuff like that. I kind of felt quite comfortable and I kind of knew that if this is the career that I want and which I want to pursue, these are the sacrifices and kind of the reality that you're going to have to get used to and kind of accustomed to straight away. So the sooner the better I got in with that, it was a lot more easier.
0: And do you think, um, obviously when you go over to England, I think a lot of the time people can find it difficult with that, you know, the whole adapting piece and, you know, essentially being, I don't want to say left to your own devices, but, you know, you're a 16 year old kid that's moved across to England. You're kind of on the start of that journey of to live in the dream. And it can be easy to kind of become, you know, somewhat lackadaisical. It can be easy to become kind of, you know, somewhat arrogant and you know I'm the, I'm the dog's bollocks kind of opinion do you think Do you think, based on the way that you were brought up, the support system of people that you had around you at the time um, and even maybe Everton as a club that, that all those three things or all those things that accumulated together were quite helpful in a sense to I suppose still remain grounded, still remain ambitious still kind of be knowing and acknowledging the fact that you still have a lot of work to do and not maybe falling into some of the traps that, you know, young athletes do, you know, on that kind of start of their journey. Because I think you see it a lot of the times that even English, even English, young English athletes, they kind of, you know, school is disregarded and they've got a lot of spare time on their hands. I think as a footballer, okay, yeah, you're you're a full-time footballer when you're going over to England, but like you've got a lot of spare time in the day. And I think it's important to use that time wisely and, and not kind of, you know, slip into you know either you know party lifestyle or kind of you know just doing things that are not going to be beneficial for you in the long term do you think that um how did you find that experience sir
1: yeah I think it's I've always been somebody that enjoyed my own company um and I was always it could be just that that's what goes hand in hand with being a goalkeeper that you and you're you are by yourself position wise Um, I always enjoyed my own company and even where I live in Ireland here, it's kind of out in the country. So I was always by myself. Hence, uh, I was never close to school friends or anything. So I was always spending a lot more time with myself if I was to keep myself entertained. And I really just enjoyed going by myself because I didn't feel I had to depend on or do what the others are doing. Um, I felt like I was able to just do what I wanted to do. And it was my own downtime there. And then, kind of, what happened? What happened from then was throughout my time there. Then, I learned how to drive, so I was spending two, three days of the week doing driving lessons. So that was keeping me occupied as well, along with completing a course while we were over there. I completed a B Tech in Sport. So again, that was any college work I had. Then I was doing that in my spare time, as well. So I was I was kept busy. I was I can honestly say I was never sitting around in my room too much twiddling the thumbs
0: yeah i think that well one of the big things and look i'm sure you're fully aware (laughs) like we we know each other well but you've been following lad voice for you know since since it started as well one of the big things that i'm always so keen to push and, and trying to promote in people is is that piece of being comfortable with your own company um understanding who you are and as a person and as an individual and you know not you know just doing something because people expect you to and being able to make your own conscious decisions that will you know push you forward and, and get, help you to achieve the things that you want to achieve in life so with regards to then you know everything so you're, you're settling in there and um, and you're enjoying your time there I suppose like some of the some of the highs and some of the some of the the moments that like stand out the most to you is there is there anything in particular that you know you kind of look back and say whoa like that was that was something else I suppose the whole time as well but like is there any kind of like specific moments
1: yeah I think that the whole thing in general was something that I'd love I'd go back and experience tomorrow um the highs and the lows and everything of it because even though there was lows you learned so much from it like the highs would will, <laughs> will be like you're stepping into a training ground and like are stepping in with with um, Wayne Rooney, like you're stepping in with Seamus Coleman. Like I remember I got an injury over Neverton, which would have been one of the low times. But I did my rehab with Seamus and I got to know Seamus Coleman really well. I got to know James McCarty really well. Cause, and it was coincidental, like the three of us would have represented Ireland and we're, we were all doing our rehab together, which did make it a, a bit more easier. Like I remember us all, the English physios used to take the mic out was because we'd be blaring Ed Sheeran out of the speakers in the gym, mm. so they love to get a, get a little one over us on a stair. But like the highs, like training with the first team, so training with Jordan Pickford, Steklenberg, who had won, who had won a world or played in a World Cup final with Holland, and I was training with. Well. Like yeah, and
0: real. even the even the whole thing like did was Rooney was Rooney there the first year that you had signed. Um, or was did he come in the year after? Because I know he'd rejoined Everton within that time frame. But you had said that like he was your you know your first jersey United you know, Rooney on the back, and then now to be over there and to be training alongside him that must have been something else.
1: Yeah, so he came in the second year I was there. Like I remember stepping out and training with um, Everton's first team for the first time, and coming off that pitch the first thing I said to myself was I want to be back up here. It wasn't even reminiscing about the session. It was like, I want to be back up here. So that nearly took the effort levels opening a bit more. Like it was great even to like that day as well. So I got called, I remember getting called up to train with the first team and my heart literally just dropped, even though like you're ready, you are thinking about it the whole time. It's just when you hear that you're going to be training with them is, was amazing. Like, so I remember training with them and just going in and just thinking, just do what you normally do. That's what's got you here. Like, So to get the chance to work with the likes of Martin Stecklenberg, Jordan Pickford, Joel Robles, who had all played in the Premier League, who'd all had a good established career as well. And then to work with the players, like you had Tia Walcott training with you, you had Wayne Rooney, you had Seamus Coleman, James McCarthy, Garrett Barry, all these type of players that, I would have spent my childhood and even before that watching at the weekends, whether it be on the TV or getting to go to the games. So that was un- unbelievable. Like, I'm basically getting to test yourself with them as well. And I always remember the end of that first session. Big Sam and Samuel Lee, two of the most iconic managerial um, duos, shaking my hand and. Said, Saying, "Oh, just let did you let them score one today?" Like, I <laughs> mean, after, me after getting peppered like with, with shots from all of these ones, and them saying that to me, and that that get me a a a kick and a buzz with it as well. Like, um, getting getting into that environment as well, because it's one thing seeing them and talking to them, but then being in and amongst them and out on the grass with them is a completely different feeling.
0: Yeah, and then another one like Calvert Lewin, he would would he have been in? The youth system with you at the time. Because I mean, even looking at him now, he he's absolutely flying. He's playing some some of the best football of his life.
1: Yeah, so I remember I think it was around my first year there. And I we had just it's when i had just been signed for one million, and nobody had really heard of him. And I had one of the lads I used to play with for Ireland, he was at Sheffield United and I sent him t- a text and was like, Oh, here, listen, what's he like? He's just after coming in, and he said. Top top player, like to be signed for one million at 17, 18. I think no, I think he was 19 at the time, but he wasn't like exactly a big name. So it was something big in itself to be signed for one million without being like a big name in yourself. And I remember training with him, like when I was up with the 23s, I'd be the keep because the usually the younger keeper kind of stays back and does a bit extra with the strikers. I was the one staying back with. It um dom doing doing the finishing sessions and then literally go to go from there to see him banging in goals in the Premier League is 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 great. Like to literally it's great for me to be able to say I worked with him before but to see him doing so well.
0: Yeah it's fantastic. And I suppose like one of the things that kind of stands out to me is you know you kind of mentioned it already with regards to some so we're we're talking about kind of the highs and the, the enjoyment but you, you touched on the fact that you know there was lows there as well and i think it can it can be a really really challenging experience for people and you know it can affect people's you know mental well-being as well but it seems as though you you know your mindset and your outlook on things you know right from the start was always from from a very good place and you know that whole thing of when you said you know there was lows, but there was a lot of learning from them as well. I think um, that's a really, really important like thing to emphasize throughout this this podcast is to, you know, some of the experiences we have good experiences in life and we have bad experiences in life. Um well that you know we can label them good and bad. Um, but depending on how we look at them or what, what we choose to learn from them, you can turn, you know, something that was, you know, a negative or something that was a setback into a positive by learning from it and growing as an individual as well. So I think that was a that was a really important kind of um thing that you'd mentioned. Like I think, you know, it's sometimes you can look back and say, oh, well, what if the injury didn't happen or what if this I suppose, you know, hindsight is always a beautiful thing. And you can, you can look back and say, well, yeah, if it did happen, but I suppose it didn't. So it's important to, you know, just, you know, look forward and, and not be held back by, by that past experience. I know you've said that a lot of that experience has made you like want it more. And because now that you've had a taste of it, you you do want to get back there. One of the things that I remembered, and I remember this at the time, I remember this, like whatever year it would have been, I think there was a Europa League game even there as well that you were being considered for a first team squad for. Like that would have been a phenomenal, um, you know, thing to, uh, you know, have under the belt to go away and, and, you know, as part of a a European squad. But it, like, there's just little things like that where you're. It could have been. It could have been different, but it didn't really work out. But what was that? What was that experience like? Of where you were like, Jesus, could be I could be going over to I don't know what country it was. I think it was like,
1: it was so. It was, it was kind of a situation where it was a time where Everton had, say, a Europa League game. I think it could be on the Wednesday or the Thursday. And the, and the first team were actually playing on the Friday or the Saturday as well. So they're quite tight on squad numbers. But I was still obviously under 18 at the time. I think I was 16, 17 years old. And they kind of just came up and said, here, there's a possibility you could be going away with the first team squad. Uh, to the Europa League It was playing Apoel Limassol In Cyprus At the oh, time yeah. So Kind of then What transpired was You literally It was something like You had to be at the club Two years To be able to go Because They don't have to register Any player under 18 To their squad Once you were With the club two years you technically
0: that Homegrown a, status Kind of thing Homegrown
1: player So I think I'd literally Been at the club A year and a half Or a year and seven Or eight months So I literally missed out By that couple of months So obviously it was a bit gutting at the time but again it was it's something you kind of say to yourself take the positive out of it at least you were considered for you were you were considered to be called up from the under 18s to the first team to go away to a Europa League game um, at the age of 17 which which would have been big like at the time I, I, I think it would have been you never really heard of many Irish players at that time getting a chance to do that and obviously there has been since since which is great to see um that there is we are seeing a lot more irish players and young irish players playing in europe or even involved in squads in europe so to get the chat where even to be considered at the time was was great like it it was that little bit of a kick of motivation
0: again that you needed yeah and i suppose like injury the injury was a big setback but you were kind of saying you know you went through your rehab and you know, the the couple of Irish lads there with you, which I'm I'm sure was a great support and, you know, a great kind of um especially given the fact that they were that bit older than you as well, that you could, you know, have a chat with them. They'd lend you, you know, kind of some some experience with regards to how to cope with these things. And, um, you know, even just having, you know, you, you'd mentioned that you were you're always on the phone to, you know, well, not always, but, you know, you're on the phone, you're still in contact and in touch with like the family back home and stuff. Did you think having that kind of support system around you, even through, through the difficult times, was an, was an important thing to have? And, you know, people that you could speak to, uh, people that you could, you know, offer, you know, gain some advice from and just have a talk about these kind of things with them?
1: Yeah. Um, like, I called my family every single night, whether it be for five, ten minutes or an hour. Um, it was just nearly, I kind of said to them, because I, I had suggested it right from the start, I was literally kind of to say, to make me feel like I'm still there um at home because it's obviously it's different for parents as well that they go like it was my mom that did all the driving with me from literally the age of 12 13 it was just myself and her would go to school we go to train and we go to games stuff like that and if there was ever a chance it was the full family went to a game so it was a bit it was the first time they kind of there was only three in the house which was a bit different for them so, so stuff like that, you're literally able to call them about some of the low days telling them, oh, I've picked up an injury and telling them what the severity of the injury is and scans like that. It's to have that there, even though they're not there in person, you're still able to talk to them face to face over that call. And that was sometimes all you need. Um, and it goes for for anything really. It, it, it doesn't always have to be in person. It can be a simple call or text or something like that. And, it was It was comfortable it didn 't ever feel felt forced or something like that, and that's that's what probably made a lot of it a lot easier that i wasn't bottling it up constantly, feeling like i 'm over here, I have to be a man, I have to do x, y, and Z. I was able to just that even just to say everything that happened to today
0: yeah. just with chest and I think um I suppose it's probably just something that you were brought up um you were brought up encouraged to kind of you know express how you felt and you're kind of saying that, look, I didn't, I never kind of had this kind of big thing. It was a taboo where I couldn't, you know, talk about things. And I think by talking about it and not letting things build up, it means that they're less of an issue in the first place. Like by talking about them as they're happening and, you know, getting it off your chest is, is a great way to kind of, you know, make sure that it's not building up and it's not become becoming something that's so big that you can't talk about. And um, then when you were told kind of like the, she had a two year scholarship then, you know, when, when the two years was kind of up, I'm sure, I'm, again, I'm sure like football, it's a game of opinions. It's a game of like very fine margins. And I'm sure, you know, it can almost be a, a toss of a coin sometimes, but whatever happened and, and you know, for whatever reasons, um, you, your contract then wasn't extended or you weren't offered the pro contract. What was kind of the thought process then from there? Kind of what was your outlook and what were you kind of saying to yourself was, was your next steps?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that, people can go two ways. With it. They can either feel sorry for themselves and say, why me? Or it was, they had such a, an opinion on me, X, Y, Z, which was the case with some players. Um, and some of them actually eventually just end up packing in football. Whereas i seen it as, okay hasn't worked out here I'm going to use the best of what I can um out my last whatever two three months that I was there get the most out of my experience there take as because I kind of knew that there wasn't much coming up for me in England at the time so I kind of knew I was coming home tired not, so I said I'm going to get myself ready for going back to Ireland and I said I want to get as much knowledge as I can before I go home because I obviously knew that I wasn't going to be in a full-time environment when I came home. So I wanted to still be able to kind of replicate that when I came home. So I was getting as much out of the sports nutritionist, the physios, the psychologists, the, the nutritionist, stuff like that, where I was kind of getting that knowledge and teaching myself. that, I'd be able to apply it then when I came home. So then when I came home, I was giving myself the best chance to kind of maintain kind of that full-time program that I was in England while also giving myself the best chance to get the possibility to return to England whenever that chance
0: may arise again. I mentioned this at the start and I, I wanted to make sure that I emphasised the point because I think the League of Ireland in itself, I think from people from the outside looking in, um they can kind of look down on the league and, and say that oh, the standard of football is crap, even though they've never even watched the game. So in the first place they don't really, you know, they can't really commentate because they 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 haven't seen it. But um I think even Aside from standard of football, aside from all that sort of stuff, it's a fantastic infrastructure and thing that is in place for young Irish um, aspiring footballers to, you know, make a name for themselves, to get first team football, to play men's football. And like for the likes of yourself that's come home from England and there's been so many others that have that have, have come home and, you know, and. Um, it's almost nearly more rare that people go over and and remain there, you know, without having come back and then even maybe going over again. But I think League of Ireland itself is a fantastic place where a a, a young Irish footballer can can come back home and not kind of fall by the wayside and not be like, well, football's done, I don't have anything else to do. And it is a, a chance to put their time, their energy, their effort into getting that first team men's football and then trying to keep up the dream and then um, get back across to England and have another crack at the whip. Um, so you came back and you, sat, you signed for UCD. UCD, obviously a, a college team. Uh, I think they were they, when you when you first signed for UCD, they were in the Premier Division, were they? First Division. First Division. So you are signed with them when they are in the First Division and you were in and amongst the team. And look, again, football nothing is gifted to you Nothing's handed to you on a plate and just because you were a young lad that's come home from Everton they weren't going to say well Tom we're going to roll out the red carpet and we're going to you know let you take a um, spot in the first team straight away you had to go in prove yourself and train and, and stuff like that so that, that, that first season then they got promoted they got promoted that year that you arrived
1: yeah yeah so we got promoted but what happened was when I first came home I had to wait for 6 months to get my international clearance. So that was a bit of a pain at the time. Yeah, so I came home um, and it kind of was I'd already agreed to sign back with UCD when I before I came home, but what happened was my international clearance didn't come in for 6 months. So I was literally, I came home in the in the j- June June, yeah, kind of the end of, end of May. And obviously with the Irish season, it runs through summer. So mm. I came home, but I was waiting for weeks. My clearance didn't come in at all. So what, it was kind of, again, it was another experience for me because I had went straight into UCD. I was still under 19 at the time, but I was training with UCD's first team on a regular basis. So again, that was an experience for me, training with a first team regularly um, in itself. So taking that step up again, Being a young goalkeeper in with a first team team constantly and especially it was the year they got promoted. So the team were on fire at the time. So you're training with the best of the best players in the first division at the time. So that was even you were coming home, but you're enhancing your game even more because you're making that step up again to be able to perform in training. So then, what happened was we won the league in just, the- um,
0: just on the the international clearance. Like you said that it, it took the take, you said it took six months, right? Yeah. Like you must have been saying, like, what has the world got against me? Like, seriously, I've been released. I've come home. I want to play football, and now I'm, I have to wait. Like, let me back out playing football again. That must have been difficult as well, but you know, perseverance, resilience um, and, you know, I suppose a, a, a will to a will to succeed uh, push you on through. But I think, again, it's just important to emphasize the fact that playing football and ultimately looking to be a footballer, it requires so much mental capacity as well, because, like, I'm sure many people would have been kind of saying, you know, fuck this and I'm, I'm not going to bother playing football now. But anyway, um Moving on, so he's, he's UCD on fire that year, and he went on and they 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 won the first division, did they or did they?
1: Yeah, yeah, they won the first division, got promoted, and got to the semi-finals of the FAI Cup. But I kind of seen it as the sense that that's six months. I yes, I wanted to play, but I had so much more time to improve parts of my game that I probably didn't really focus on or never felt I had the time to. So I had this obviously extra time because I wasn't playing. So I was using that to improve the little parts like that, which which I found very beneficial. And especially with us getting up, I nearly seen it as we got promoted, obviously to the Premier Division. And I seen that as, well, that's a bonus for me. I've come back home. I'm, I'm going to get my clearance eventually. um And when I do, we're going to be in the Premier Division. So that's that was a step up for me. And at the time, I was still under 19 the year we were in the Premier Division as well. So it kind of started off that I was going in again, training. I was, say, your third choice. There was Conor Kearns. That was number one. He had a really, really good season, to be fair to him, and was subsequently called up to the Ireland 21s. Then I had Gavin Sheridan, who had been at UCD for a couple of years as well, had played a number of games in the Leinster Senior League. And then it was myself. So I was obviously the youngest in the group. So it was great to be able to learn off them too, as well as the goalkeeping coach there at UCD. So throughout that season, it kind of was a great learning experience for me because I was on the, I was involved in many of the squads if it was through injury of the other lads or if they were suspended or if they were away or stuff like that. So I was on the bench and I was getting to experience all these, like even though, yes, I had been across England, I'd still only... It was an under-18s league I was kind of experiencing. And, and yes, you, you got to see United's training ground. And you got to see Man City's training ground. But I'll never forget the first kind of big game I was involved in was the first night of the Premier Division season. We UCD, we played Derry City away. It was the first game in Derry City's new Ryan McBride brand stadium. A new Astro, Show, new stadium, Lovely a couple facility. of thousand at the game. Facility. The weather, yeah, the, were, the the weather was awful, but the, the crowd, like I'd never played in such a crowd. And they were banging drums and they were singing all night. Did we lose the game? Yes, but I always remember that night sitting on the bench after, and I was like, you know, some I want that feeling again. I want that buzz of being getting the chance to play, playing in front of a couple of hundred, couple of thousand. The drums banging, the songs, this fans singing all the songs, that atmosphere that literally gave me that kick and that buzz to want it even more.
0: Yeah. And um, I think one of the big things, um, and you hear it a lot, it's kind of a common theme with regards to, you know, maybe people who've been involved in academies and under 18s games, even under 23s games, is that experience of men's football. And I suppose with men's football, the League of Ireland as well it's a serious league and it is taken seriously lads that are playing in there um in the first it, or sorry in the premier division they are on professional contracts some of them um and even the lads who aren't on professional contracts they're still playing for wages at the end of the day and like for clubs as well within the league of Ireland it's so important to actually you know stay in the premier division for financial reasons and um to put on a good performance so that fans do come back and fans do you know uh, generate revenue for the clubs as well so I think that experience in itself no matter how much academies you've been in and no, no matter how much you know you've been involved with really um high quality and a high standard of football over in England it's not going to really prepare you for that time you first step out onto it onto a football pitch and playing in a in a, men's, uh, in a men's league that is uh, a competitive league as well. So your first match for UCD, um, I think I think we went to it. I think we did. Um, was it over in the UCD Bowl or was it?
1: It was. So it was literally, again, it was that feeling again. I remember I had been on the bench a couple of times previous to the few weeks before. And say the week before, we kind of got a heavy defeat to Shamrock Rovers and we always found out the team to play the Friday night on the Wednesday evening. So I remember going in, obviously not thinking much, just thinking, oh, yeah, I'll be on the bench again. And the manager was saying, I'm going to make a few changes. He might like me for him, he might not. I don't really care. It's what I see best for the team. I remember him putting up the the team sheet and my name was on it and I just sunk again. Because it is that realisation that, Okay, this is what I've got. I've been getting ready for. I yeah. going to be getting a chance here. So that was on the Wednesday. And I remember going out and just having a really good training session. But see, what I always did was so we trained on a Monday and Wednesday. But the first team always trained earlier than the 19s. So I always went to train with the first team. But I always made sure I went back to train with the 19s because that's what I seen as my team. I mm. never seen myself as a first team player. I see myself as a under-19 player involved with the first team. So I remember doing the exact same, even though I was going to play that Friday night, I, I went and did my session with the first team, did all the the tactics and stuff like that, but I still came, kept the same routine, came back down and trained with the 19s that evening, and uh, then came the Friday night. So like you said there, you, yourself, and Nisha and your mom all went to the, to the game. It was against Waterford. Um, and like that, again, it was... What I had been working for since I came home from England, that was my whole, my whole target when I came home from England. I want to make my first team debut as early as I can. And I was home just over a year and I made it at 18 years old in the Premier Division against Waterford. We lost the game 2-1 in the night, but I'll never, I'll never forget it because it was probably the first time I came away from a game but I felt so mentally fatigued. Rather, than, I was physically, but mentally, it was just it was so different to playing underage football because you were dealing with the crowd singing and you were dealing with the game was a lot faster, and you were dealing with a higher quality of player. that were constantly concentrating, and that was just an experience in itself. And I remember just the game just went like that, like it it, it just flew in.
0: Yeah, that game. I do remember being over there and look UCD bowl wouldn't exactly be renowned for its atmosphere but on that night the the Waterford fans they they were given an absolute socks um and there was a bit of a buzz there was a bit of an atmosphere about the place and um it was it was quite it was quite a good game i suppose like Waterford on that night would have been would have been definitely favorites to win the game um like, Waterford, good side in the Premier Division. And, um, and like, for you guys, you were under the cosh for that game. Like, you, 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 you were under pressure. And, you know, you maybe that would have been one of the reasons why you felt, like, mentally fatigued afterwards was because you had to be constantly switched on and you were, you, were, you, were, you know, always there, kind of ready to be called into action because it was a, a game that was quite you know well end to end and and that you did have quite a bit to do and I think to be fair to you you had a very good performance and um, not just because it was your first game in, in men's football but just because the all-around performance was quite good and um, so then UCD you know um that would have been that would have been kind of before the midpoint of the season was it? it was it wasn't in the second half of the season was it?
1: It was after it was the August time so we had Kind of, we had lost a lot of players kind of at the midpoint of the season. Um, a lot of our main players as well that would have been kind of the, the starting players and responsible for getting us up from the first division. So we, that kind of game kind of was near, I think it was actually the first game or the second game after the preseason break because a lot of the signings we made. I, that was their first game as well. So I think there was about four or five of us who were actually making our debut for the club that night.
0: Moved on then to, to, to Wexford, which is where you're currently at. Um, so maybe talk me through, you know, the move, why you decided to make it. Um, and I suppose we'll talk a little bit about last season and, uh, you know, the season to come now as well.
1: Yeah, so I was actually when I came home I was doing a course in UCD as well kind of hand in hand and I was doing that kind of get to get back into education to allow me to do a college degree and I came up obviously to the end of the season then I just kind of had to review things and kind of see what do I want to go do what do I want to do going forward do I want to what college course do I want to do what where do I want to play little things like that that I felt we're going to benefit me. I was kind of in the stage where I want to do stuff for me, and what I feel is right, and what I want to enjoy rather than what people think is right in that situation. And then came the move to Wexford, um, and I seen it as a move where I just wanted to play football. I got that experience of three, four appearances at first team level with UCD, but then I this was going to be my first year stepping into fully senior football. And I just seen it as I want to play. I want to play every week. I want to be tested every week. And then the chance came to sign for Wexford. So I went down there for um, last year. And with that, I just started doing a lot more things that I kind of enjoyed. And I think that kind of benefited my whole performance as well. Like I was doing a college course I enjoyed. Then I was able to do a lot more. So I, I have a passion for coaching as well. So I was able to do a lot more coaching with that as well. I was obviously playing with Wexer then as well. And then I was able to see a lot more family and friends and stuff like that. And I was just enjoying everything a lot more. Did I ever not enjoy anything throughout my time period and, and period with UCD? Yes, there was highs and lows, but I was enjoying stuff to an extent. But I just wanted to kind of lay stuff out for myself for the future going forward. I was kind of looking long-term rather than just the next year I was kind of looking for the next few years kind of seeing what do I want to do and what's going to set me up for the next few years
0: yeah I think really important thing in life is is to is to put yourself first and do what's right for you and do what's best for you and sometimes even what's best for you right now you know might not be what's best for you like for the future so I think to, to have that forward view and and to look forward and kind of plan ahead is a really important part of life and uh, particularly with your your and career as well so Wexford um <laughs> you kind of went full circle of you know <laughs> Wexford over to Everton and back to Wexford now I know you're from Wicklow but they're basically the same place anyways aren't they um so back at Wexford then and you had a on a personal level a fantastic season last year. Um, in my opinion, and in the opinion of it was was it the Wexford fans or the players who voted for team of the see or player of the season? It was just a public vote, so kind of everybody was able to have a yeah. have a say. So you know, fantastic season last year. Um, in terms of you know league position, there's there's improvements there to be made uh, for the season up and coming. But um, I think for yourself, really important to to get back out onto the pitch, um, and have consistent first team men's football, gain that experience, find that confidence within yourself, and to just just start to do things that that you love to do, and building that momentum and building that consistency within your game, and having that. That that time to to put in the work and put in the effort and to to continue to improve because I think really to continue to improve particularly as a goalkeeper and and as a footballer, you do need to be getting match experience and you do need to be you know week in week out playing games and that was a really important part of last year uh, for you I believe.
1: Yeah, massive um, from literally everything. Uh, whether yes, as you say, position wise in the table, we have a great season, not the best. Personally, though, I thought I, I learned so much. And I think a lot of players learned so much as well because we were a relatively young squad. But we have managed to maintain a lot of the players from last year and add a couple on this year, which shows kind of there's a team building coming together. But for me personally, I was able... Like, that's, I think, was the whole main thing for when I was coming home was I wanted to play senior men's football consistently as young as I could. And I remember kind of the midpoint of that season or towards the end of last season, I did up kind of a bit of research. I did. It was, I kind of looked at where all the goalkeepers that signed with me at Everton from the 18th and 23s, where were they playing now and how many senior appearances they had. And when I looked at it, I was the one with the most senior appearances. Um, a good few of them. I think there's three or four don't even play football anymore there was one that's still at the club and the rest are kind of sitting in under 23 teams or they're sitting on the bench for our first team. Whereas I, I come home and I racked up that experience and I, I honestly felt last year, no matter what the result, it benefited me greatly, um, especially the fact that I was getting tested so much and I was getting thrown into these scenarios. It was scenarios that I'd never faced before and probably wouldn't face if I was in an under 18 or under 23 team. That was the benefit of playing in the first team, which I can, I can't recommend enough to any young player or any young position or any, any person really in anything you're doing. There's no point in you staying in something that looks well on paper, um, whether it be a job or a sport or a club or, whatever it be, but you're getting no experience with it or you're, you're getting no progression with it. Like what's the point in you entering a job but never seeing the progression to get to the managerial position? Um, you just want to stay as a standard employee, whereas you should be entering something and seeing, I can see the progression in myself. I can see this, the kind of the ladder that's there for me and the opportunity that's there for me. Yes, it could be a step down or it could be, a lesser known item or club or whatever it was to what where you were before, but it's gonna benefit you in the long term. Um and for me, that's what I seen with Wexford. I seen it as an opportunity to go in and do well, get that experience that I need, but I
0: enjoyed it all. That was the big one for me. Yeah, I think um you you hit the nail on the head there. Like that whole thing of sometimes people say experience is overrated, but at the same time experience is a vital aspect of life as well and you need to do you need to get out there you need to experience things and you need to learn from the experiences as well one of the things particularly in a footballing sense you can do all the training that you like but you know, in order to 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 replicate the match, the match scenarios and situations that you'll find yourself in, it's next to impossible sometimes on a training pitch. So that's why um, the first team football has been so important for you, and I think it's going to you know push you forward, and it has pushed you forward even over the last year as well. Looking ahead, I suppose then to, to this season, I suppose for yourself you'll you'll have set personal goals and objectives and stuff, uh, and I know you're a very driven and motivated uh, individual. And I think that's definitely beneficial to you in anything that you choose to do in life, but, uh, definitely in football as well. Um, so I suppose looking, looking ahead to the new season, I'm sure you're excited. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. Um, I suppose what's, what's the plans is it just more the same from last year and can kind of try to improve on it or anything else. Yeah.
1: I think, I, I think I, I said that at myself, I, I need to take it up another level now. Um, I've kind of I've got that first year over and done with senior football. Now I kinda of need to take it up a next level. Uh I've spent the whole kind of all season looking at my game, areas that I need to improve on and implementing a plan to kind of help me with that. And I can honestly say I think now this year I'm I'm really putting a lot more work um just in general in my overall game and stuff like that than I probably ever have before. And uh, it's just I it's literally comes back to where you set out your motives and your plans and what you want. Um, and it, it is, it is a bit cliche, but if you want it, you'll work for it. Um, right. And for me, that, that is the sense. And I set that out in everything, and it's literally a goal from footballing. Um, so I set out my whole footballing goals and where I want them to be literally to my education and little things like that. Um, they're all set out, but I think they come hand in hand. Uh, If, I, if I'm if i doing well in one, that'll feed off the other and it'll feed off the other. And that's why I think it's important that I've had that throughout. So I think this year, especially on the pitch with Wexford, it'll be looking to take it up a notch um, as a team, definitely. But then personally as well, looking to kind of hit the ground running come the start of the season and kind of show people that yeah, you, you aren't just a one season wonder. It wasn't just one season syndrome that. Yes, I am still twenty, but I am I I do have the experience there, and I I want to show that I can be a leader for the team and that, that they can depend on me.
0: Yeah, I think um you know a lot of really good nuggets of uh of information and kind of mindset that have been put into into that statement as well. Um, I think like one of the big things there is on the piece of looking to improve upon last year and like although you've analyzed and looked over your game in a critical sense to see which places you can improve on it's not to it's not to like beat yourself up and it's not to put yourself down and say well this is crap this is crap but it's it's always looking to improve and you know again you said it before football is a game of small margins and you know that's exactly what you're looking for. There is those small margins that you can choose to improve on and move forward on next year. So I think with regards to that, how you're kind of analysing things, the way that you're looking at the game and the way that you're looking within yourself for those improvements and and to move forward, you know you've you've got the you've got the makeup and you've got the the ingredients for uh, a fantastic season uh, going forward. And um, like I said at the start of the podcast, that um. I'm a Bulls fan first and foremost, but I think um, you know there's definitely a strong affiliation there with Wexford, and um, because because you're you're playing there, and um, I'll be sure to keep up with kind of you know your your journey over over the next season, and uh, be cheering for you in the first division. Like before we before we kind of wrap things up kind of already touched on pieces of advice for you know people who are on a similar journey to yourself with regards to football but is there any is there any one thing in particular that you'd kind of say um to people who are listening or
1: yeah i i've been thinking about this a lot recently um and it's kind of been one that's been on my head and how i nearly summed it up was the day you stop listening or learning is the day you'll stop progressing and developing um so with that i kind of take from it like the day you stop listening to coaches taking on bits of information learning working hard would be the day you stop progressing and ve- developing so that's kind of implementing like it's very easy for you to have done well and to achieve x y and z but you should at that you shouldn't just think you've made it then um that that's the part park the bus i'm what what do they know i'm the one that's achieved this or i've achieved that you can continuously um learn in in anything you do uh whether you are in the top end position or you're only starting off and it's how you do that will be how you progress and develop you can either go two ways about it you can listen and you can learn this kind of stuff and you can kind of say well what do they know or i don't need to know this or you can take it on board and you're only going to help yourself develop as a person, as a player, because I think that's a lot of the, A lot of people just see sport in general that it's just I'm a player, I'm a, I'm this, I'm an athlete, I'm that. Well, not really. You're a person at the end of the day as well. Um, so you can't just you can't just see it as two separate things because I think one feeds off the other. If you're if you're really working on yourself as a person that'll translate into your game as a player. Whereas you just see yourself as an athlete and that's what you kind of nearly label yourself and you nearly act like that going around, like, look at me, I'm X, XYZ, i Z, I've achieved this, I earned this. You won't come across as a great person either. And especially in the sport world, it is a very opinionated and it is about building up these connections as well especially from a young age, if you can build that kind of not only person, but player mentality of being that dedicated, that player willing to learn, willing to listen, give it their all at every training session, constantly wanting to develop, constantly wanting to progress in the game, it'll show, and it'll show that as a person as well.
0: Definitely. I I think, yeah, I totally agree with you there. And I think, um, life it's something that i've said before is life's always about you know constantly learning new things and and new habits and and things that are going to push you forward but it's also about unlearning old habits and things that are going to hold you back as well and i think um with regards to the whole piece of opinions i think you know people are always going to have opinions and i think some people will have just a a negative opinion just because you know they they, they don't like to see other people doing well i think it's important to, to listen to other people's opinions but also take on board that if you wouldn't take advice from someone not to take criticism from the meter, other people's doubt, you know, someone else doubting you become self doubt. And, um, also as well, just because someone's questioned or said, this is if someone who you would listen to just because they're going to, you know, question or, contradict the belief that you have it's not it doesn't mean that they're saying that your belief is wrong but at the same time if you can choose to listen and take the little snippets from their view and their opinion and bring it into your own life you're going to become a more well-rounded individual and you're going to you know put yourself in a position where you can learn because if you disregard everyone else then you know you're going to think that you know it all and a quote that I said on the last podcast I'll say it again is uh you know the man who asks who asks the question once is a fool for a minute the man who asks never asks the question at all is a fool for life And it's always about, you know, learning new things.
1: Yeah, it's spot on. Like, and people talk about, oh, you have to be driven. It's only yourself and it's this and it's that. But there's a way to go about it. Like you look at all the great individual athletes, like you look at, say, Usain Bolt, without his team or his trainers, he wouldn't have got where he is today. Michael Phelps, you look at him, without the team around him, he, he wouldn't have got where he is today. You look at say Alex Fergus, one of the best managers in history, without the actual players he had around him, the support team he had, and I'm sure his wife and sons at home, without them, he wouldn't have had the career that he had today.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I think I think um maybe a good a good kind of way to, to round up the discussion is is that whole piece of, you know. It's a balance between being driven, motivated, having that sense of tunnel vision and knowing what you want in life and, you know, being that thing of, you know, this is my life and I'm going to run it the way that I want to run it, but also understanding that you don't have to do it on your own and, you know, you should leverage support and help and assistance and insights and knowledge from the people around you as well. I think it's like soak it up like a sponge and, you know, the more you learn, the more more informed you'll be and the better decisions you'll be able to make. So, Tom, um, thanks very much for coming on and having a chat with me. One of the questions that I always ask now, I forgot to ask uh, the last guest, Louise, but um, is there maybe some change? So we've been forced to make a lot of changes this year. You can keep your response quite short, but like, is there any changes this year that you've been forced to make that you would choose to keep, even if you could just give me one of them?
1: Um, I found what's really benefited me this year has been I started journaling. And that has something I've never done before, Uh, especially towards the end of last year. I've really wanted to do it. And it's something I've done consistently throughout the year. And I've really enjoyed all of that stuff, just being able to, and it is cliche, but to work on myself um, because I can honestly say I've never felt in a better place physically, mentally. And that goes for whether it be on the pitch, whether it be in the gym, whether it be doing my college work or whether it be just day-to-day life, I've never kind of felt better because I've had that time literally because I think I've always just got caught up in this world of I like need to be busy and you need people, please. Whereas this year I've literally sat down and I've said, what's going to make me happy and what do I want to do in the long term? What can I do now that's going to benefit me in the long term? And I definitely have done that this year, and kind of done stuff that I set out for so long to do. I've kind of bit the bullet and just done it, and I haven't looked back from it.
0: Definitely, really, really good. And look, I won't um, I won't try and you know add anything in there. I won't try and um, you know, take anything away either. It was very good, a uh, very good synopsis. So, lastly, then. This year has been quite different. It's It's been a strange one. Is there anything that you're looking forward to now um, when things kind of do return back to normal? Yeah, is there anything that you're looking forward to?
1: I think it's just seeing, to say as simple as, like, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's very cliche, but the fact that, say I was playing on a Friday night and I'd stay over at you was on the Saturday night and do something on the Sunday and then go home the Sunday night for the week leading up to it and obviously with travel restrictions, I haven't been able to do that. Mm. Um, like that's what I really enjoyed every weekend. Just kind of having that bit of time, um, obviously to spend it with Nisha, but to spend with yourselves. Um, yeah. Well, because it is like, I've never like, I can honestly say I have a very, I'd say I have two or three people that I consider really, really close friends. And obviously I have a very big family, extended family as well. But it's just, you feel like home when you have, when you have a, like spending time with yourself and niche and stuff like that. It's a, it's an environment that I really enjoy. And like we get on as a, as three and including even with your mom as well. yeah The yeah, yeah. four of us get on really, really well and kind of doing stuff as well. Like obviously down here in Wicklow, there's not too much stuff to do at times. So get, getting up to Dublin and kind of doing stuff like that, whether it be going for walks or, going and playing football, golf, or little stuff like that, or going out to say to even something as simple as going out to hold for for a day or something like that. It, it's really enjoyable. And that's kind of that interaction is what i probably missed the most.
0: Well, well done Tom. Good answer because if you didn't include niche, there would have been there would have been uproar. Um <laughs> so anyway, that was a good answer. Funny you should mention about the the foot golf. Look, maybe I'm just gonna throw this comment and then just Turn the podcast off straight away. <laughs> you know what's coming. Um, you know, yeah, I've missed playing the foot golf, and I've missed them um, I've missed beating you at the foot golf as well, Tom. You know, I mean, you know, I think you know you're the footballer at the moment, but I think you know if I didn't get that uh, career-ending injury to the knee, you know, I could have made it as well. Seeing as I'm able to beat you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was a once-off it's a once-off.
0: <laughs> yeah now for anyone who is listening I won't uh, I won't try and take the wind out of Tom's sails I think I beat him once and he beat me about five or six times so yeah just <laughs> set the record straight on that one but um, look yeah Tom thanks very much for uh, having the conversation with me and um, looking forward to sharing it with everyone and if people have enjoyed the conversation be sure to give it a share on your social media tag myself and Tom Um, kind of let us know what you thought of the conversation and um, yeah look I think on that note especially even with regards to Tom's kind of thing of what he's looking forward to the most that kind of feeling of you know reconnecting with people and and seeing people in person again Uh, it's been a difficult year for people not being able to see people face to face and kind of have those experiences and share those moments but um, there is a lot to look forward to and it's only coming around the corner so yeah i'll love and leave the lad Voice listeners with that and uh tom i'll look forward to seeing you sometime in the near future in the flesh and uh yeah thanks again for having the chat yeah, thank you very much right we'll wrap it up there now